You're listening to the Hustler Hot Seat Podcast, episode number 26. In this episode, I sat down with my dear friend Allie from Windsor, and we talked about what it's like being a writer in our generation. Ali is not only a writer, but she is a badass woman who uses her voice to make an impact. She writes about mental health, sustainability, feminism, protecting our planet. This episode got me so fired up because this was actually my first opportunity to sit down with Ali and just talk about shit that matters. This episode is going to get you fired up, and it's also going to teach you how to unapologetically take up space in this crazy, fast-paced, technologically advanced world we are in. So I'm not going to waste any more time. I'm going to let Allie tell you her story herself, so let's just dive right in. You're listening to The Hustler Hot Seat, and I'm your host, Kirsten Perry. I help young entrepreneurs turn their passions into profit-building businesses. From marketing for your niche to partnering with your ideal clients, I'm here to help, and so are some of my fellow entrepreneurs. So grab a coffee, sit back, relax, worry about the hustle later, and let's get to it. Hello, Allie, and welcome to the Hustler Hot Seat. I'm super excited to have you on the podcast today. Um, I know you're super passionate about a lot of topics, so I'm looking forward to kind of diving into that. Beautiful. Thank you so much for having me, Kirsten, and I'm really, really excited to talk about everything. You sent me a lot of a lot of questions, and I'm excited to dive in. Perfect. So why don't you go ahead and just start by telling the audience what your story is? Oh boy. Okay. Where, where to start with, with a story? So um, I guess my story is that I'm a writer, I'm a storyteller, I'm really passionate about um, feminism and the environment. So I really try to tie those two, or I guess those three things together. Um, especially now, I think with social media and with the news and everything, the faster we can spread good information and, mm-hmm. and stuff, the the better. <laughs> yep, for sure. Um, and, and I really like to use my voice for good because, you know, we can be mindlessly scrolling on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or we can be engaging and we can be talking about important topics and we can be learning, right? Perfect, yeah. yeah. So where did writing kind of start for you? Has this been something you've done your whole life or is it something you've gotten into maybe in the last five years? I feel like I've always been a bit of a storyteller, so I actually really didn't like writing or reading when I was a kid, and my English grade was really low in, I think, the second grade, and it was just because I was very active and involved in, like, my sports teams, and I danced, Mm -hmm. and and I sang, and um, my mom kind of set up this this thing where I had to do book reports monthly for her. Okay. So I had to read a book. I could choose it, but I had to write her, like, a one-page written um, book report, and it only took one full book to just like totally immerse me it was the thief lord okay and I just absolutely loved it and and I just loved how someone could captivate me for I don't know how two to four hours however long like a kid's book is but right just I sat down and I you know I read outside still so I was still you know connected with nature and everything but I just my mind went to this amazing place and I just really wanted to 
be that person. I wanted to tell stories in the same way and captivate somebody and, and change their minds and, and just keep somebody's attention for that long. I think that's, that's really important. And yeah, yeah. that's totally beautiful. So are you doing writing full time? Are you doing it part time? Um, as of, I want to say September, October of, um, of last year, I've been writing full-time. So Good. that's not necessarily all creative. A lot of it is marketing and, and business writing, but um, I really try to align myself with good people. Like I don't I don't write just to write and, and just to make money. I really like to choose my clients wisely and make sure that our missions kind of align. Um, Perfect. Yeah, so whether they're a sustainable business or um, a mindful business or someone that I really feel like is doing good for our community in Windsor and for the world in general. I do think that that's really important because anytime you create those business connections, you want to make sure that their values are the same as your values or else you're never going to feel good about the work that you're doing for them. Exactly. And to give you some like kind of peace of mind in that. For sure. And I mean, at the end of the day, like we, we are a society that, that functions off of money. So I wish that I could just do work that, you know, didn't pay and we could you know, exchange things. And sometimes that is the case. If, if someone has a product that I feel I would benefit from and we can just do a kind of exchange like that, then I love to do that. But because we do work in a world where we have to pay for things and prices are going up, you know, I have to take jobs that, that pay a little bit more, but I still want to make sure that my heart and, and mind are kind of in line. Good. I love that. So you mentioned that you use your platforms to to make an impact, I would mm-hmm. say. So not only in our community, but in the lives of other people in the world. So why don't you tell the audience a little bit about how these like, key topics for you really resonate with the way that you use your writing to take a stance, whether that be um, through sustainability or the environment and things like that. For sure. So um, because I do so much of my working writing with businesses and everything, I try to make my personal writing about feminism and sustainability. Um, so I work with my partner, Dane, with Greener Bins, and I do his blog. So that, that was kind of a big step in that direction. And then um, I started doing a lot of environmental poetry because I feel like it's it's a really good way to kind of connect my artistic soul and my passionate environmental soul. And and again, I just think there's so much happening and mm-hmm. and I kind of feel like the planet is the only thing that matters right now. Right. And, mm-hmm. and at first I, you know, I was so focused on writing. I had just finished my MFA and I just wanted to get this book out. And it just, just always felt like something was missing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I was writing just to write and just to compete in this like, like, I don't know, dog eat dog community. Yeah. And yeah. I just didn't feel fulfilled. I really didn't. And, and I love, you know, my classmates, I love writing, but it just, it felt like there was something missing and, and, focusing on the environment was really that piece because it's it's something that I you know we're all aware of mm-hmm. and whether it's out of fear which is totally normal that we would avoid something out of fear but mm-hmm. I kind of just didn't want to be afraid anymore because I would wake up anxious and and I was avoiding and I knew all this stuff was happening and I just couldn't avoid it anymore so um, have you like has um, the environment and sustainability been a part of your life growing up or is it something that you kind of learned on your own and you're like no this needs to happen we need to start making change I feel like I was always pretty aware like I am the oldest of all my siblings and my cousins really and I kind of just always felt like this old soul mm-hmm. <laughs> um I get that yeah and um 
and just even yeah with my cousins and siblings I just felt like I was always teaching them and guiding them and I don't I don't know I just kind of always felt like I was beyond that that age and I was always very aware of things that were going around me what was right and what was wrong and Mm -hmm. and the environment just kind of came in with it because my parents come from Poland where it was you know my dad lived kind of on a farm and everything and they did all those those practices that I want to get back to and and I remember always thinking as a kid like why don't we still live that way why don't we still live off the land why do I have to go to a grocery store why why did we change in the last like 50 to 100 years really since like after World War II we just totally changed our living to like faster and and cheaper and it wasn't necessarily better um and it and it kind of tied in with my mental health because I found that because everything had to be faster, we had to make more money in this world. I was constantly anxious because it's like you have to get a job that makes you a lot of money so you can survive in this, you know, fast-paced city-type wor- world, and and it was just exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting, and and I guess that's why I'm passionate about both um, both sides of sustainability: sustainability for the planet and sustainability for people, like for mm-hmm. people's mental health and what we can and can't do with our minds and bodies after a certain amount of time. That's a really interesting topic about how fast-paced things are. And I know the podcast is called The Hustler Hot Seat, mm-hmm. but I'm kind of on a mission of redefining that term hustle. Um, so in your intake form, you talked about how burnout and fatigue are destroying us in our creativity mm-hmm. and that, that need to constantly be moving fast and innovating and growing so can you talk about that a little bit more and how it relates to the concept of hustling that you hear in social media today? Definitely. So I think it's super normal, especially I'm going to speak just as a, a woman, because yeah. for so long we haven't had certain opportunities and we feel like we have to kind of prove ourselves, especially mm-hmm. now where it's like, you know, we can do these things and you can be a mom and you can be a working woman and you feel like you have to be it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's just where exhaustion comes in because we feel like we have to prove ourselves now, right? Mm-hmm. In whatever capacity. And and it's just, again, not sustainable. We can't do everything and, and we're not taking time for ourselves. And I find that my like alone time is, is when I'm being creative. Like I, yeah. I worked a lot of service jobs and I realized that it was just, it was exhausting. I was moving too fast and I didn't have time for poetry. I didn't have time for anything creative anymore. And... Mm-hmm. I also do some community theater and I often get a lot of people say like, how do you have time to do that? Like, how do you have time in your evenings to go in and dance and sing for three hours twice a week? And I'm like, because I make the time, it's something that is really important to me. And I feel like I recharge. And I think that when we're, if I didn't have that, I would probably just go home and try to work more because, you know, it is somewhere where we are living in a world where we have to make more money and keep up and whether it's fame or Instagram and we're all trying to like out compete with each other. And I was speaking with somebody the other day about community. And I really love that Windsor especially is getting back into this community feel because I think a big part of why we have seen an increase in depression and anxiety is because we're so solitary in North America. Like it's, you know, me versus you, I'm going to do my thing. You do your thing we've had this like lack of trust with people. And I mean, I've even heard it with my own mom. She moved from Europe here and, you know, wanted this big community and just ended up getting hurt a lot. And I didn't really understand what she meant until I lived in Europe and I, you know, experienced this community where you don't 
really eat alone and you don't um, you don't even do homework alone like you're always surrounded by people and you have this constant support system and you're never lonely like you never have that feeling of alone and and I think that's just part of nature that we want to be surrounded by people and I think a big reason why we're burning out is because we're doing things alone we're afraid to ask for help and and like nobody really wants to be alone even if you're an introvert I'm reading this book called quiet and um, it's amazing um, and it's just about how to be an introvert in this extroverted world and like in a world that values extroverted people cool. um, yeah I like it's that. really awesome <laughs> it's super super it's a really good read I'm only about a quarter way through but it just totally captivated me um, and and it's just about like even introverted people love to be around people it's not about that it's just about the finding the right type of people or being quiet with a group of people but it we don't actually like being alone a lot like we mm -hmm. feed off of people and I think we've kind of been ignoring that and that's why we're replacing like that community feel with you know working more and 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 going the distance and making more money and, and proving something I I don't know maybe that's just me but I feel like we're kind yeah. of trying to fill this gap that could easily be filled by doing something community oriented like joining a, a club or like with me with community theater like I finally felt like I clicked and mm -hmm. um, actually my the book that I'm writing for my MFA is about um, the summer camp that I worked at when I was 16 and it was the same feeling and so it was just um, about 45 minutes it's called Qantas Sunshine Point Camp and mm. it was the same thing where I kind of always felt like like I was alone and an outsider and and then all of a sudden I came to this place where you're stuck with these like 16, 17 people for 24 hours a day, yeah. five days a week. And whether you like them or not, like they're going to be your family and they're going to be your community and they're going to see you at your best and at your worst. And it just totally changed my life, honestly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it just, I don't know, it just made me feel important and valued. And we were in nature and there was like no cell service and it was just... Which is, blows my mind because my whole life is... is like my whole career, my whole life is all based on a phone. Yep. So to be away from it, I almost have like a little bit of anxiety thinking sure. about not having it with me at all times. Oh, exactly. Because you feel like somebody might need to reach you or that, yeah. you know, you might miss out on an opportunity or, or a connection or something like there's, um, which I also think like we never miss the opportunities that are meant for us. Mm -hmm. um, and it's okay to kind of take that step away from your phone and everything because whatever's meant for you to be aligned with like you're gonna feel that you're gonna know yeah I have to go on my phone or I have to you know disconnect to connect because you also need to take care of yourself yeah right and 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 that doesn't mean being alone in the woods without your phone <laughs> yeah like, go with friends and you can have like you can still check your phone in the evenings like I again I just went on a trip and I was still on my phone but I didn't have self-service until I was back at my um, hotel or hostel at the end of the day yeah. And it was nice just to connect for like 30 minutes, but because there was such a big community of people, I, I was in Portugal and we were staying on this bus and every night we had dinner together. Cool. It was super awesome. And it was unlike any experience I've ever had. Um, and yep, the people made dinner, you paid like eight euro for it. And we all sat at a table and you talk and you eat like it's, and you bond over food, right? You, yeah. it starts off as like this awkward conversation about like, Oh, this meal is so great. And then, <laughs> and then you start talking about deeper stuff and, and you kind of pass over the, the like, well, what do you do? What do you do? It's like, yeah, I don't know. It's just like instant connection. And, and 
I think we don't do that enough. I would have to agree. Yeah. You talked a little bit um, a couple minutes ago about time and like making time for those community aspects. Mm -hmm. And I preach to people all the time that you only have 24 hours a day. So how you spend those 24 hours really matters. Mm -hmm. And I find that when I'm not going out and engaging with other people, because technically I work from home. So some days I will stay home and I will work. But if I don't get myself out of the workspace... I just find that I spend all day working Mm -hmm. and then I blink and it's nighttime and it's like time for me to go to bed and I just get up and I do the same thing the next day. And then when I get into this repetitive habit of I've spent three days in my apartment just working, it like really starts to affect me Mm -hmm. and I like crave that community aspect, which I don't get all the time. So I think it's true that it's, you have to, kind of get out of your shell and just put yourself out there and interact with other people. We we spend so much time on our phones, which I love the concept mm-hmm. of being connected digitally, but it also makes us not want to connect with people in real life. And I think that that is a barrier we now have to like get over as a society. You know what I mean? For sure. But even using, like, I feel like you, you hit the nail on the head. You connect through social media and you Mm -hmm. it is meant to be a connecting tool and I think we've made it like so disconnected right because it doesn't always reflect reality and and it's this like perfect polished place where I think a lot of people are changing that now and I mean Mm -hmm. a lot of people with especially with Instagram stories like I see a lot of people posting yeah political stuff and and Mm -hmm. really awesome engaging things and I find that I have actually been connecting with a lot of old friends who I felt like we didn't have anything in common, but it's because we were taught like never to talk about that stuff. Like, you know, put politics away, put um, the environment away, put everything aside and just like, don't talk about it. We don't have to, we don't have to think about it. But once you open that up, like social media can be a really awesome place and it's reconnected with me with a lot of people that I never would have thought that we would have been connected again. For sure. And over common topics. But I think that's the importance of posting like real stuff and and not really not being afraid of of getting some backlash because you're going to post something that's going to be controversial and someone's not going to like it always no matter what like (laughs) for sure whether it's a good thing or a bad thing like someone's unfortunately going to be thinking like oh you're so lucky you do this and and they don't know what's happening on the other side of it Mm -hmm. and you're just gonna have to roll with it like yeah and I've I've been told you know that I'm too much sometimes on on social media and (laughs) I hate that. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's, it's a little tricky because, and I've been told it in, in, in person too, because I am really passionate, you said at the beginning, right? And yeah. I, I just, I kind of think it's really funny that, you know, topics like environmentalism and feminism are controversial. Like, if you think about it, I'm like, we all live on this planet. Shouldn't we want to take care of it? Like, mm-hmm. how is that, how is that controversial? But that, that's the kind of stuff we need on social media. Like, we need, like, stop sitting in the background acting without trying to impact other people and make other people want to act, you For know? Sure. Like, you have a voice. Like, why why aren't people using it? I follow another girl. Um, she's in Toronto. Her Instagram account is called The Greener Good mm-hmm. with, like, periods in between. And okay. she has been on fire talking about the Amazon this past week and Mm -hmm. it inspired me your post inspired me I started looking into it more and that's the chain reaction you want but you wouldn't get that if you weren't 
vocalizing and standing up for the stuff that you believe in. Exactly. And, um, and so we started this group in Windsor called We Can, so Windsor Essex Climate Action Network. Love it. Um, and it's all about taking action because, I mean, I think a lot of the reason why people don't post about this stuff is because they're afraid. Mm-hmm. You don't want to believe it. And I super get it. Like it's, it's heavy and it's a lot and it can feel like, what the heck do I do? Yeah. Especially with, with the Amazon, right? And I mean, the Amazon is the worst, um, worst fire ecologically because we have a lot of biodiversity there and a lot of indigenous populations that live there. But there are other fires like in Siberia and in African countries that are larger that nobody's really talking about. Mm -hmm. And again, it's because we just, we don't want to face it and it's, and it can seem really overwhelming. So we wanted to start something local because it can, obviously if something's happening in the Amazon, I can, I'm not just going to go fly yeah. and help. I'm not a firefighter. I don't have those skills. I have, you know, I'm privileged enough that I can donate to the people on the ground there. So that was one thing that I was really promoting and mm-hmm. saying like, you know, instead of getting a coffee, just donate $5. Like, yeah. but don't stop there. Like, I think a lot of people will try to do their like actionable good deed for the day and then like carry on. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to weigh you down because that is also a possibility. Like don't let it weigh you down, but also don't let it stop you from doing local action because local can and does go a long way. And that's what we can Winter Essex um, Climate Action Network is about is like we are talking about what we can do in our immediate city Mm -hmm. and and county. It doesn't doesn't have to be here. It's just starting here. And, you know, we want to do a big mass tree plant of native trees in the, in the spring. So beautiful. Yeah. So all fall, we're trying to, um, gain momentum and, and get people that are interested in planting in the spring, but then in fall and, and winter, asking people to talk about it, raising funds, getting grants out there and, and taking those necessary steps because it sounds so simple. Like, Oh, let's plant some trees, but like we need trees. Yeah. And we don't have enough. We don't have enough trees. Like, we, yeah, it's just, it's just mm-hmm. not something we're, we're not meeting our quota for the amount of like wetlands or anything. And that's why we're having all these floods yeah. in like the forest glade area and everything, because there aren't enough trees and there's not enough wetlands to like, to prevent the flooding from happening. So it's, there are so many elements that go into it and I'll, I'll be someone that will admit that maybe I haven't done what I should be doing as someone that's part of this world Mm -hmm. in order to like speak up about the stuff that's going on and for me I think a part of it stems from the fear of not wanting to spew information that I may or may not be a hundred percent about or I don't know and I made uh, one post on my Instagram story on the weekend because I find that people are very quick to jump on a bandwagon to say I'm protecting the environment by making this post from Monday to Friday. But then the second the weekend hits and they go about their weekend plans, it's like they forget that this yeah. is actually still happening. Like the fire didn't stop. Right. And just because you're out partying with your friends on the weekend, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden it just magically doesn't exist anymore. For sure. It does. And then once the weekend mulls over, m- another Monday rolls around and it's like people have forgotten yeah. and they don't care. So I guess it's kind of weird. Like people want to say they're part of the solution, but they're not. For sure. And and I was thinking about that as well, because you also don't want to be like taking away from your mental health and like, mm-hmm. and it can be really overwhelming to stay in that space for a long time. So I set yeah. like times for myself 
Um, I really love um, staying educated and, and knowing, but you're not going to know everything. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to talk about something and for someone to say, oh, you know, I don't think that that's right. I think it needs to be done in a more kind way because I think people tend to jump on you if you say something wrong. And they're like, yeah. mm, that's wrong. Like there was somebody that on my social media that said, oh, um, something about, you know, we're posting photos from like an Amazon fire three years ago. Yeah. And they were like, oh, stop spreading misinformation. I'm like, well, it's not misinformation. The photo might not be accurate, mm-hmm. but there are still fires happening. Yeah. <laughs> so that just, that stuff bothers me because I'm like, don't crap on people for doing the right thing and sharing yeah. because then that person, if they might be sensitive to post this type of information and then all of a sudden they're getting told they're not spreading the right information, like you said, mm-hmm. they may not be inclined to do it again. Yeah. And that's not what we want. We don't want to be shooting each other down for stuff we want, we're on the same team. Mm-hmm. We're on the same team, whether you post, you know, every day or if you post once a week or if you forget and you come back to it, it's just about spreading the information because we are so privileged to have yeah. social media and we need to be using it wisely. It doesn't have to be all the time. You're allowed to have fun. I do agree. I think, like, if it's something that you're passionate about, make make a point of, like, yeah, after the weekend, after you're done having your good time, come back on Monday stronger, relaxed, yeah. and... And get back to it because it, and I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they're out there doing like actionable stuff and they're not taking videos or posting about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not always the case. But I think um, at the end of the day, like we just have to, we have to do our part. We still have to take care of ourselves, but we also have to just build each other up um, in terms of this information because we, we just can't be tearing each other down anymore about anything because like, we're on the same team. We all want the same stuff. Yeah. We want to survive as a species. We want to survive. We want our planet to survive. We want all of the same things, right? And yeah, I think we can get caught up with like, well, you're um, you're not totally vegan, um, but then you don't use plastics, and then you don't. What? And it's like we're yeah. all just doing our part. We're all doing the best that we can. Yeah. Um, Every time I say we can now, I think of like the group. (laughs) And that's why we we named it that, right? Yeah. But but no, there there is so much that we can do, but we can't do it all. There is this like common misconception, and I just talked about it in my newsletter yesterday, that people have this limiting belief that, well, I'm only one person. What if what Mm -hmm. I do doesn't matter? It's irrelevant. Like it's not gonna, it's not even gonna make a difference. It super does. But it does, exactly. And it's, like, it's not just the fact that, like, a hundred people cut out meat one day a week Mm -hmm. is going to make a huge difference, and people don't realize that. And then it's also going to inspire other people to act. And that's it. Like, it's a chain reaction. It totally is. I've I've had people message me, um... And like, again, cause this is something that I talk about all the time. And mm-hmm. this is one of the reasons why I do it because someone messaged me and they were like, you know, the other day I was at the mall and I, so I don't shop fast fashion anymore. I haven't yep. in about two plus years. Okay. Um, and even then I was trying to limit it and, um, and someone messaged me and they were like, you know, I was at the mall and I needed to get a new shirt. And they're like, all I could think about was your post. <laughs> and they're like, so I walked out and I tried Valley Village first. And they're like, and I found it, and it was like a fraction of the cost, and I felt better about myself, and and all this stuff. But mm-hmm. I was like, that's awesome. I, 
you know, I'm one person, but now I've encouraged one other person yeah. to make that change. And then maybe they, you know, post about like, I found this thrifty top and that like, yeah. another person sees their social media and, and it does really matter. And also not just like people, but the market hears you. Like when there was the, um, Amazon strike, um, not the Amazon fires, but Amazon, like the company. Yeah. Um, and it was on prime day and people were like, well, like, what difference is that going to make? Like, can I do it any day? And I'm like, no, it has to be Prime Day because that's the day that Amazon makes the most money. Yeah. And so if, if you're not um, aware, there was an Amazon strike just um, for their employees to, you know, get better work conditions and, and pay. Um, and so a lot of people were just boycotting Amazon, which I haven't used in a little bit either. Um, yeah. But it's those those decisions make an impact because markets hear you, businesses hear you, they function off of money. Mm-hmm. And if you're not contributing financially to that market and they see a dip and they do, mm-hmm. they will hear you. And yeah. that's why so many companies are going greener, whether it's greenwashed or not. Like if they're trying, I'm happy about it because that means that, you know, that one person that started it however many years ago and then passed it on to the next person, it's made a difference because you can't really go to a restaurant without there being a vegan option, without mm-hmm. there being a local option. True. Like, right? Like, if people didn't speak up and, and make those decisions, that stuff wouldn't be happening. True. Right? Very it doesn't true. happen, like, all at once. It happens over so many years. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we can also get discouraged by, like, not seeing immediate, um, like, results, but it, it does happen. It happens yeah. over time, but it happens. Yeah. And people are kind of impatient. They want to see the impact that they're making immediately. For sure. And then they get discouraged. Yeah. And that's Um, why, like, if you can take, like, if you want to take immediate action, like, yeah, come come out to the meeting and and we're going to plant some trees because you're literally going to see immediate growth and results. And just talking about growth, I love having a garden for that reason. Mm. Um, Because if you plant something from seed just within like a few like weeks even you can actually see change yeah and that can really help with that impatience because I think we're all like because we have the instant gratification from social media and stuff yeah it can be really nice to have something that you're growing um Mm -hmm. from seed to really just bring you back and it's really good for your mental health too um it's kind of my disconnect because similarly to you I work online and I work from home and I'm constantly tapped into the news and it's exhausting Yes. It's exhausting. And even now my social media isn't even just like, oh, la-di-da. Like, it's <laughs> it's very political. And it's like, yeah. if you're following me, you're getting, <laughs> yeah. you know, fire. And it's it, it comes with the price, right? It comes with me just, you know, having a headache and, and knowing, like, okay, I need to go to my garden right now. Yeah. Um, and I've loved watching it grow and then being able to pick the fruit and eat it. And it's just so, so freaking satisfying. Like, yeah. So if there's anybody that needs like that instant well it's not really instant because you still have to wait for it but pretty but much. faster than they're experiencing other things exactly yeah. you can totally see within like the matter of weeks like something growing and <laughs> and spreading yeah. and and even like just documenting it you don't have to but it's it's really neat just to watch everything yeah blossom and and then getting to eat the fruit of your labor <laughs> <laughs> i love that it's awesome it's really good. <laughs> 
So let's kind of shift gears and get into the career side of being a writer for a little bit. So for our listeners who want to get into writing, how do they start and like how do they go about getting published? Like what does that process look like? For sure. So it kind of can go either way. Like I did go to school for it. So I did English and French. I did journalism and then I did my MFA in creative nonfiction. Um, I, I truly believe that um, school, you don't have to go to school like all the time to get ahead in your career. I personally do feel like my MFA did advance my career by like seven to 10 years though. Um, Just because it was contact building. Right. And I was meeting a lot of people in the industry and it, it was really nice. I had a mentor and I could be like, Oh, you know, I have this article idea. Where can I put it? And, and it even just encouraged me to kind of get out of my comfort zone and talk to people. Right. Um, but on the other hand, if you're a person that goes out and makes connections and goes to networking events and everything, and you are just writing, like there's a lot of stuff online. There's a lot of information, um, a lot of online classes. And if you're reading and you're writing, like you're pretty much getting that education as long as you are also building your connections and contacts. Okay. Um, Cause just like anything else, that's the most important thing is talking to people, like bringing up that you write, bringing up like just in, in passing, like it, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be unnatural, but if you feel like it fits, it doesn't hurt to say it because I've gotten a lot of, um, a lot of work just from, you know, saying, Oh, you know, I'm, yeah, I wrote, I wrote about that topic. And then people are like, Oh, you wrote. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a writer. And it, sometimes it feels unnatural, but it's okay to talk about it because that's how you do get work. And I think if you're not, and I think there's this, um, misconception of like, you know, writers staying at home and they don't leave. And it's like, if I didn't leave my den, I would never get any work. Right. Cause like, I don't get inspiration by looking at the wall. Right. Like I get inspiration by walking my dog Mm -hmm. and going to the store and doing these little mundane things. And I really love writing about just like the everyday stuff. Yeah. Um, but even, yeah, just talking, talking to people, like there's always somebody that needs a writer. Like I do a lot of personal branding stuff. Like if someone's like, I need to work on my website, but I don't know how to say this. They, they hire me because it's, it is a very, very useful skill. And a lot of people don't know how to write about themselves. For sure. Um, so I guess my like biggest piece of advice would just be to like go out there and talk about the writing that you want to do. Okay. Um, say yes to most things unless you have like not the best feeling about it but I tend to say yes first I'm always really honest though and I say I'm gonna say yes I'm gonna take this on it is going to be a learning process if you feel like it's not a good fit after this first one we can call it like I'm really honest about that because I said it earlier like it's really important for my um my heart and mind to be aligned with the people that I work with and but you're not gonna know that just off of like a first meeting you're going to know that once you get through that first piece and you send it to them and if you feel like it's just not driving, they don't like your style, you're not really loving their story, it is okay to be like, I don't think that we're a good fit. I, you know, I have these contacts for you. Here's somebody else in the industry. Yeah. Good luck. Thank you so much for the opportunity and moving on because if we stick with things that we don't like and we're not aligned with, like, you're not going to be able to make it yeah. because it's just you're not feeding your heart and and soul and um and that's honestly why I didn't end up going into like the news or any of that type of journalism because my heart just yeah I didn't find that there was a lot of heart in it it was like finding the 
worst thing that's happening in the world and talking about it, but but with no action. It's just like, this thing happened. It is awful. Yeah. And I'm like, ah. I, so I, I love writing a lot of features where it's like, it gives people action. Like, I, I just hated spewing bad news and not... Doing anything about it. Yeah. 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 So I had to know that about myself though. And I had to go through my journalism degree and like absolutely hating it. My mental health was in the gutter. It was just awful. Like everybody was out competing each other and, and, and doing a lot of drugs, honestly, to like get through that. And yeah, rightfully so. Like you're just in this negative space all the time. So I think it's really important to see where you fit and not trying to mold yourself to that industry mm-hmm. and, and find your niche. Like if, you know, if you like writing about a certain thing, like write about it, it doesn't, you don't have to try to fit in even with environmental stuff. Like even though that's what's happening, that may not be your thing. It may not be something that drives your soul and you want to write about just because it's, it's a really hot topic. doesn't mean that you have to be writing about it. Like your voice can stand out where, where you want it to, like where you're passionate about. Wow, that's, yeah. that's that's great advice because I think a lot of people see the impact that others' writing has and then they want to be like that, but it might not be the best fit for them. It might not be the thing that they get the most fired up about. Exactly. And you kind of have to listen inward to figure out what that thing is for you. No, for sure. And, and yeah, it's different for everybody. Like, you know, it could be writing about your family. It can be writing children's books. Like, there's mm-hmm. always there's always a meaning though and it's always going to resonate with somebody and you're going to make a difference no matter what yeah like, I agree so I think just finding finding that thing that you're passionate about and and it's it is hard to to see yourself when like all of the industry noise is in your head and you're like I should be doing this I should but I love that saying if it's a should you're up to no good <laughs> <laughs> I love that <laughs> Me too. I love it and I I totally do that and I'm like this feels like a should. I'm, you know, not in an irresponsible way because sometimes you do have to do shoulds. Like, yeah. <laughs> I have to clean my room. Yeah. You know, but in in the broader sense of it, like, if it feels unnatural and if you feel like, like that yucky feeling in your gut, mm-hmm. like, you have to listen to your whispers, right? You've got to make sure that you're not going against what, what your heart's telling you. Yeah. So... What do you do if you get writer's block? Like, do you ever have moments where you're like, I just, I can't write anything. I don't Mm. know what I'm doing. (laughs) Like, sending the message to the universe, being like, "Uh, hello, help. Yeah, 1,000%. So, it's funny because I I teach writing classes and one of them that my mentor and I were talking about is that writer's block doesn't exist. Okay. And it's totally a myth. um, And it's created by trying to write when it's unnatural. to yourself like you're staring at this blank screen and you're trying to dive into this perfect sentence and you're you know it that doesn't happen if and and of course there are going to be times where you have to write because and you don't want to write like when you have an assignment due or if you have you know work or something yeah I think like just just start with something it can be the worst sentence (laughs) in the world just write because sometimes you need to get that throat clearing out is what we call it um sometimes in the writing world is clear that throat it's just like before you would talk or sing you gotta get it out and it's and then you can cut it out after right Mm -hmm. we have this like beautiful thing microsoft word or google docs whatever like you can erase everything so write even if it's really really bad 
because there will be like one sentence of gold in that really crappy draft. And the first draft is always bad. No matter how good of a writer you are, no matter how long you've been writing, the first draft always sucks so bad. And that's okay. And that is okay because you can go back and edit it. And you, But you don't want to sit there and try to craft the perfect sentence because you're going to miss so many other opportunities for like good sentences because you're sitting there thinking, oh, oh, what do I write? What do I write? Okay, it needs to be great. It needs to be great. Like, just write. Sit down and write. And if you can't, if you really feel like you can't even type one single word, get away from your computer. Go for a walk. Go dance. Like, move your body. Go clean. Because the writing process isn't just about writing. It's not just sitting down at your computer or at your notebook and and scribbling. Like, it's it happens all the time. You're always thinking, right? Like, there's not really a moment where you're not thinking about something. So, so channel that, like go, go cook. Like I love cooking and cleaning for that because it's such a mundane task that you can be thinking about. I agree. Yeah. I do that all the time. Cleaning is that thing for me. Totally. Because you don't have to think about it. It's just like, you know, what has to be done. You clean and your brain's going. And I often will have like music on and music um, is something that really triggers memories for me. So I felt like when I was, really deep in writing my book I had this playlist that was totally dedicated to songs from that time in my life and if I was feeling writer's block I'm doing air quotes over here um I would just do that I would clean or do something and have that playlist on and I would have my phone ready for like for voice notes or something or or sometimes it just doesn't even have to be that sometimes I just want to get into that mental space and think yeah and just just disconnect because usually writer's block happens when you're you've been working on something for too long, too hard, and you haven't taken a break or you're putting too much pressure on yourself to get something out. Um, yeah. But on on that topic too, sometimes you do have to sit down and write when you don't want to write. And usually that is because, like, if you've been avoiding it, so it's kind of, I'm kind of contradicting myself here. Um, but like, I mean, if because if you've been writing for a really long time and then all of a sudden you're having like writer's block, it usually means you've been overworking yourself or trying to pull something out of nothing um but I also think like you know we can be really afraid and try to avoid as humans do we avoid things that are really good for us um and sometimes you just have to sit down and write something that's in in your heart that wants to get out and maybe you're not letting it out because you're afraid of what you might discover but writing is very therapeutic and often when we're the most resistant to writing something is when, when you that need thing to. needs to come out, yeah, yeah. the most. Yeah. Sure. yeah. So in your intake form, you talked about this concept of how to unapologetically take up more space. And mm-hmm. I think this is kind of a really good way to end off the episode. So can you maybe explain to the listeners what you mean by take up more space um, so that they have a little bit more context about what that what that means? <clears throat> no, for sure. So um so it goes back to, you know, me being really passionate and, and speaking out on, on social media and in person, really. Um, mm-hmm. I think I remember writing about uh, just my high school experience. And, I, and even on here, I talked a little bit about how I've always been a little more aware than the average person. And I mean, it really benefits my writing mm-hmm. um, because I can tap into these like really deep emotions. But it can also be very overwhelming, especially when I was a teen and you're already going through all of these like hormonal changes and you also have these like weird thoughts and like weird questions about the world and the universe and like your friends so so don't get you um and you feel like you're way too big 
I don't know if that makes sense. You feel like you're at this giant in a, like in a scene of like little, like regular sized humans. And you're just like, okay, I'm going to make myself smaller. I'm going to like crunch myself into this ball and just like talk about the party on Friday. That was awesome. And, and I feel like I did that so much. And, and, and I, I did drink like a little bit in high school. And and I remember at the time thinking like, oh, it's just for fun. It's just a social thing. And now being older and thinking back, like now it's been almost 10 years. And I'm like, I was suppressing so much of what I wanted to say. I wasn't being myself and, and it's hard. It's hard to be yourself in high school. And so I don't beat myself up over it and think like, I should have said something. I should have been more myself because it's, it's freaking hard to be in high school. And, um, but I know now, and I guess I, I'm repaying myself like my teenage self now by, you know, if I need to say something or if I feel like something's not right, like that was always my thing. I hated bullies. I hated anybody that made someone feel small because they wanted to feel bigger. And, and anytime I would really speak up, it would kind of like bite me in the butt. Um, and it just felt like, okay, if I just stay quiet and if I don't do anything, I'll have more friends. I'll be able to survive and everybody will just like me. And I was looking through my like yearbooks and it was just like, oh, you know, you're so nice. You're always so positive and happy. And which was a great thing to feel. It was awesome to feel like people liked you, uh, me. Um, and I think we try to do that so much in our lives, like try to make ourselves smaller and more approachable. Right. And when, again, I'm going to speak as a woman, like I feel like when men are loud and whatever, they're powerhouses and they are ambitious. As soon as a woman is loud and outspoken, it's like the end of the world because we hadn't spoken up for so long. And the women that did speak up were just like, Whoa, she is way too much. And and I don't understand why. And, and I think it's so silly that, and it's kind of changing, but it's still very much there. Like I've still very much experienced it in person too. Like I've had really good friends of mine be like, okay, you have to stop this. Like, you know, you talk about things too much and like, I just want to have fun. Um, and it's, it's just, and it, it's a little bit discouraging uh, in those times, but I guess I just always think back and think, you know, maybe we aren't meant to be friends. Maybe you served your purpose in my life and, and I really want to be surrounded by people that build me up and say, yeah, you know what? That's a really big issue. I think we should, let's talk about it. Like, let's talk about more serious things. I mean, I love going out. I love taking it easy as much as the next person, but it doesn't have to be, like I said before, it doesn't have to be controversial to talk about climate change and stuff. Like we can sit down and have a conversation and leave feeling good and be like, wow, I feel like I can go home and like do that thing to make the world better. Like I can, you know, post about this and and you can feel fueled by it. But I think that the people that are calling people out for being too much are usually afraid Mm -hmm. of that, like afraid of what that means of, you know, just they want to bury their heads in the sand and, and it goes back yeah, to that bully mentality and like making people feel smaller so they can feel bigger. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm answering the question. No, (laughs) no, no, that's perfect. Yeah, that's exactly what I was, because I read it and I wanted to make sure that I was taking it the way that you were intending it. And a hundred percent I was. And I think like, I've also had those, those feelings of like, I was always a very extroverted, outgoing, passionate person. 
and I would talk about these big ideas that I had or these these outlandish and I say mm-hmm. like air quotes outlandish topics that nobody wanted to talk about and I would just get this weird look like like why do you care like yeah. wh- why are you why why like we're literally in the middle of a party why are you talking about yeah. these things and I, that's when you start to realize that those people aren't the people that you want in your circle no so and you can still have fun with them and mm-hmm. and I've learned that there's you know um there's a place in your life and and stuff for those people but sometimes we hang on to people and things like clothes and stuff mm-hmm. um that just don't serve us anymore because you know there's a memory there yeah you know, they helped me through this really hard time so I owe it to them to be their friend yeah or you know they were such a big part of my life like why aren't they anymore and it's like it's okay if they're not. It's okay if they're not a part of your life anymore. You're in different stages of your lives, and and I just don't have the time or the or the emotional energy, honestly, just to have empty conversations yeah, anymore. Yeah, for sure. Like there's too much going on, and maybe when things weren't as bad and and we weren't talking about it, like, and if you don't know, then it's very different. But once I'm the type of person that once I know something, like I can't I can't unknow it and just go about my day and not mm-hmm. not let it drive me right. or affect me, right? And right. Um, oh, there was something I was going to say, but I can't remember. Sometimes <laughs> happened to me a lot because my brain's just like buzzing. And totally fueled up by it, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So in every episode, I do this thing called the Rapid Fire Five, and okay. I just shoot out five questions. You give me the first thing that comes to your mind. See. Okay. So your favorite local business. Oh, Plant Joy came to my mind. So. <laughs> Favorite author? Oh, Ernest Hemingway, even though he's a little bit misogynistic. Like, I, love, I love his writing, and he was the first person that came to my mind. <laughs> Your dream vacation destination? Costa Rica. How do you take your coffee? Oh, with uh, oat milk. And someone who inspires you? My mom. Oh, was so cute. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Mom, for sure. She's like super <laughs> awesome. Good. So for our listeners who are looking for an opportunity to dive into your head a little bit, where can they read your work? Oh boy. Um, the best place to, is to follow me on Instagram. So it's um, at abeans, A-B-E-A-A-N-S, um, because I'll kind of post all my stuff on there. I don't have a website yet. Okay. On it, but there's a lot of other stuff happening but social media but like especially Instagram I'm very active on there and I will respond I can you know answer any questions if anybody is wanting to get into the writing world or just wants to get involved um yeah and we can if you're in Windsor and Mm -hmm. you want to take like local action or even if you're not in Windsor and just want to like pick my brain about any environmental stuff you also mentioned you're doing a tree planting do you want to just give some details about that so if people want to join in yeah, so I would just say come um, and follow so, uh, We Can. If you just look up We Can on Facebook, we haven't set like dates or anything because right now we're just um, going to try to like raise some funds and everything because okay. obviously it still does cost money to like get yep. native trees and everything. But yep. um, if you have any resources or if you want to just get involved, just go on Facebook and, um, and yeah. Perfect. Join, join our group. There's like 250 people and it's only been a month. That's amazing. So, yeah, so just come join. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, Allie, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. I am so fired up about everything you said. And I I love topics like this that really leave me thinking after the podcast episode is over. 
and um, I'm really excited for the listeners to hear everything that you have to say. So I'm so grateful to have been able to talk, and I'm super fired up. Like I didn't even need a coffee. This is just awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for like giving us this space, and and I think it's really important to keep talking. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I hope you have a great rest of your day. And Thank you. Uh, we will talk to you soon. Okay, thanks, Kristen. Okay, thank you so much again. Yeah. Bye.